Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on DK Sports Radio. This is your host, Jared Prugar, and as always, I thank you for listening. This week, we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk about Anthony Poindexter a little bit, and then we're going to get into Dwight Galt, who both spoke with the media this week. And, you know, they both had a lot of interesting things to say as we ramp up and get prepared for uh, spring ball that starts on Monday. Finally, spring practice is back. Last year, we didn't get this far. Um, you know, it's an excellent opportunity to see Penn State back on the field and see how they've grown, because obviously they have a chip on their shoulder. The Nittany Lions did not have the best of years, obviously finishing at 4-5. and five. And despite turning it around and winning the last four, of their, uh, last four of their games, you know, at times at the beginning of the season, as we talked about, they just did not look good. They didn't look confident. They didn't look anything like the Penn State that you would expect them to look like after having as much success as they have under James Franklin. But, but first, let's talk Poindexter. Um, Poindexter comes from... Uh, a great and established uh, collegiate career at the University of Virginia where he excelled as a defensive back, went on to play with the Baltimore Ravens, and and his last stop was at Purdue um, where Penn State was able to get him from and, and return him back to the East Coast um, in Penn State. So Poindexter is, is an interesting case because now – as decorated as he was as a collegiate athlete, some of his players, some of the players weren't born then, right? You look at it, and you know when he was having success in the late '90s, some of these guys hadn't been born. Um, so it's kind of crazy, despite him being a young, uh, a young coach. Some of these players haven't been able to see him play. So he's more, he's just a Google search when it comes to looking up um, his accolades, and he is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. He, his number was retired by the University of Virginia, and he did win a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. So it's crazy to kind of think about that. Um, but it was when he was with uh, the University of Virginia that him and James Franklin struck up a friendship as they recruited the same territories uh, while Franklin was at Maryland. So it's been interesting to see how they've evolved in their relationship over the last few years. Um, but... You know, when you recruit the same area, you know the same guys, and you, you, you've developed those, those relationships. And and if you strike it off, you know, you always have that, that idea in the back of your head that maybe someday you'll work together, and here we are. Now, while at, at Penn State, he's going to be expected to recruit the DMV uh, area, the Michigan area, and even Indiana when it, comes to, when it comes to bringing those safeties back and even more back to Penn State. So he does get a little bit of Tim Banks's area with with Michigan and Indiana, but he's also going to have the DMV, which is an area that he's familiar with as well. And he's a guy that grew up in that area, right? So you have that familiarity both as a player, as a coach, as a professional. You know, you know what it's like to, to watch Penn State on Saturday. And that's something that Poindexter spoke about as well. You know, uh, in his quote, most of the games I saw as a kid were at Penn State games. It's every kid's dream to go to Penn State. So, when you say something like that, you know what it's like to be in their shoes. You know, now we have so much, we have so much access to, to all the different college teams around the country, but in the, on the East coast, you know, when you're growing up in the late, early nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, Penn state was on your screen almost every Saturday. They are a big ratings school. And, and yeah, you want to play in front of 107,000 fans every Saturday afternoon or night. Um, and playing in those big games against, Ohio State, Michigan, those Cotton Bowls, the Fiesta Bowls, 
playing for a potential national championship. So you have guys like Poindexter and, and Ty Howell that have returned to Penn State that have, with Howell, he is a guy that, played at Penn State through the darkest of times, right? So he knows what it's like to be Penn State when it's both good and incredibly bad. So you have that relationship. So now these guys, so Franklin has done an, an excellent job of getting guys that know what Penn State is about, how what it's like to go there and be around the school and see it from afar as an athlete too. So I think that's a, it's a great mix of recruiting to get guys like that because now you can you can cross every board. Or you can check every dot that, that you want in a coach that, that knows the area and, and knows how to develop athletes, which is paramount in college sports. Because you look at it, and you look at guys like Howell, and, and you look at guys like Cider and, and Stubblefield, who have had pretty decent um, careers, uh, both as uh, on the field and off the field now, as, as Howell gets back into um, the on-field coaching role. But you look, you look at his staff, and he's he's amassed some guys that were that were dogs and playing. Like you, even dating back to Terry Smith when he was at Penn State and setting records as a receiver. You look at Troutwine, who was a starter for the for the excellent uh, Florida Gators teams back uh, under Urban Meyer, and you look at you know some of these guys, and then you look at a Stubblefield who had an excellent playing career. You have a Cider who who excelled as well. And, you know, you've got some guys that that have played the game at a high level and have had success doing it. So Franklin has done a great job, I think, in developing the program just like that and building those guys. And you want to recruit elite talent? Well, you have to have elite talent coaching them too. Not just as coaches, but guys that know what it's like to walk in their shoes, right? You You have that opportunity. Hey, listen, this is what I went with when we did this, or we've been there, they've done that, they've played at the highest level, they've competed at the highest level. And when you have that, that's a recipe for success. And I think that's what you what you want in a college football staff. And when you put a staff together, you want to put those guys that not only work together well on the field, but off the field. And I think that's where they struggled last year, because they couldn't build that, that camaraderie, that team aspect as a coaching staff, because they weren't really allowed around each other in big groups. So when you have that, and and you go back to even Mike Skirsich and, and his return um, to the East Coast and to Pennsylvania. You have that opportunity to build that, that team aspect as a staff and that camaraderie as a staff that Franklin and his his program have been known for, and I think that's huge. You know, you you look at the, these tenures for a lot of these guys. Uh, at the beginning of uh, Franklin's career at Penn State, his guys were with him for a long time, but like Tim Banks, uh joined a little later, but you have Charles Huff, you had Gaddis, you had Ricky Ronnie, uh, you had even John Donovan and and Brent Pry, who Brent Pry is still there as well. And then you have you know, Terry Smith that's been there since Franklin got there at Penn State. So you have that opportunity to, to build that camaraderie as a staff. And yeah, there's going to be some attrition and there are going to be some guys that, that move for lateral reasons and and guys that, that get promoted or, or get better jobs, like a Banks that's going to be the um, going to Tennessee, or a Ronnie that gets a head coaching position, or um, you look at Tyler Bowen who who got an NFL job. So yeah, you're going to have those opportunities to to evolve and and to get better. But when Franklin replaces guys, he's getting guys that know what it takes to win both at Penn State. 
and at the national level. And I think both as players and as coaches. And I think that's invaluable experience. Now we're going to talk about a guy in the next segment who's been with Franklin almost his entirety and has been with them for quite a while in Dwight Galt. So we'll get, we'll get to that in the next segment and I will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back with pro days and spring practices and spring workouts, you know, getting underway, getting started, or or in the future. There's no better person to talk this time of year than Dwight Galt, who handles the strength and conditioning uh, for the Penn State and Indy Lions football team. He is one of those guys that, A, knows what he's doing. He is very, he's been very successful um, during his tenure at Penn State, and you can see that in 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 the numbers that Penn State puts up at the Combine. You look at Saquon Barkley, he put up massive numbers. You look at Troy Apke, he put up massive numbers at the Combine and parlayed that into starting for the Washington football team while during his career, uh, so far in his career uh, with the NFL, or in the NFL. So Galt knows how to get the most and get, get these guys peaking at the right time. Now, he, of all people, uh, of all coaches, has probably been hamstrung the most by the, the restrictions and the limitations put forth based by the, by the pandemic. You know, you can't have too many guys in the weight room. You can't have, you, they've got to wear masks. They've got to be appropriately sanitized and monitored. So he, of, of all people, has, has been hamstrung the most in, in getting the most out of his guys. And that, you know, obviously is never ideal. But they've still been able to produce some guys that, that are going to be dogs at the camp to the combine. I'm looking at a Micah Parsons. I'm looking at a Jason Owe. And I think even uh, Pat Fryermuth is going to perform well as well, um, despite his, uh, his season ending with an injury in 2020. So, you know, you look at a guy with like Dwight Galt, and, and this is a guy that, that spoke with the media as well this week and had some enlightening things to say because, you know, you talk about 2021 and, and the Penn State season ended in the third week of December. Now, typically, you look at it and they get a t- and a week or two, week or two off after the bowl game. And they get right into spring practices. Well, that wasn't the case this year. This year they had thirty seven days off between the end of the season and spring and the start of winter workouts, which is unheard of uh, for Penn State. Typically, it's far less than that. But that's a lot of time to kind of rest. You know, it's a long year, especially this year, both mentally, physically. Um, and it gives them an opportunity to come back refreshed because, like I mentioned in the first segment, the Nittany Lions struggled. And that's not really normal for the Nittany Lions uh, in, in James Franklin's tenure there. Um, but overall, in the history of the, the, the organization and the program. So it's it's uncharted territory for Penn State. So they've got to come back um, this season hungry. And that's what uh, and Galt says they have. So when you have a hungry, motivated team, that's that's going to transition or translate well to success in the weight room and on the field. Because as I mentioned, Monday is the start of spring practice. So, you know, you, you got 20, they got 21 lifting sessions, lifting sessions, um, in their workouts and also 14 running workouts, um, in this winter. So as of their conversation here, um, on Thursday. So this is, I think that's an excellent opportunity for Penn state to get better. Now, you know, there are some guys that have, that have really stepped up this year um, in the weight room and as leaders. So it's an excellent opportunity to 
to to make that presence known. And and I think a guy that has turned some heads is PJ Mustafer. You know, he's the he's the elder statesman on that defensive line now, and and is a guy that's going to be a returning starter. And I think you need that, and you need that success. And that leadership, both on and off the field, and I think that's what he's done. You know, he's, he's been able to gain some good weight. He's been able to become that guy on the defensive line. And that's exactly what Mustafa needs. You know, it's he's, he's in charge of or a leader of a line that needs to step up and needs to take that next step. Because looking, looking at the roster and the depth chart, it's not the greatest of defensive lines that Penn State's had by any means. It's a, it's a young unit. Um, it's a it's a unit that has been impacted the most by transfers in and and, and leaving and, and leaving for the draft. So that's where Penn State needs to develop the most. And you know, and according to Galt, that's an area that has become that could become a, a strength with these workouts. You know, and I think that's that's huge. Um, you look at guys like Arnold and Beckety who transferred in to, to be factors on that front. And he's gaining weight. He's putting on good pounds. And he's he's hitting that, that weight room in strides, too. Um, and even Derek Tangelo, who's, who transferred from Duke, you know, he's he, they're getting in the weight room and, and getting these guys up to that Penn State brand of football and that Penn State brand of workout that's worked for them. There's no doubting what Dwight, Dwight Galt has been able to do with the Nittany Lions in the weight room. We like I mentioned, it, the numbers speak for themselves when it comes to the combine and their pro days, and that's huge. It gets guys like Nick Scott noticed. It gets guys like Troy Apke noticed, and gets those guys there. Um, and also, you know, it's not just those guys. It, it's even Trace McSorley has tested well. Saquon Barkley, obviously, Saquon was an ungodly athlete and still is. So you you know, but getting that and, and channeling that, there's a reason why Saquon looks the way that he does, and a lot of that is what happened at Penn State and what he did under Dwight Galt. You know, and one of Saquon's teammates, you look at Trace McSorley, and even his numbers were impressive for his size and his stature. Um, and now, as he is the backup at, with the Ravens, you know, so Galt's been able to get some guys to the next level based on their performances at the combine and their pro day, in addition to their success on the field. But a lot of those testing numbers, you know, you look at it, and and that's a big part of the evaluation tool. Um, but you know, speaking of McSorley and, and guy that that inherited his starting position, Sean Clifford, you know, at Penn State, the the role of the quarterback is a physical is physical in nature. It's a running, it's an RPO style offense. So you're going to be running quite a bit. I mean, it's not the Will Levis seventeen times in a row type of rushes. But it's still a physical brand of football and football and style of football from the quarterback position. So you've got to get a guy like Sean Clifford built up to to handle that 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 beatdown, that physicality of the position. And and Galt's been able to do that, and he's and they've been building Clifford to get to that next level, that next foundation of of his physicality and his nature as a twenty three year old, as a as an athlete. And I think if they're able to get that and get him to withstand that pressure and withstand that, that physical nature of the position, then Clifford, I think, is going to have a lot of success. Um, you know, typically, Galt builds up for pro day in, in, in the combine, and this year is going to be a little different. Yeah, you're going to have some in-person um, sights and sounds, but a lot of it's been done over the phone or via Zoom because of the nature of the pandemic. But that doesn't mean that Penn State athletes haven't been noticed, you know. The eight guys that are going to be performing for their pro day 
are have gotten a lot of calls. You know, obviously Micah Parsons leads the way, but I think guys like Jason Owe and, and Fryermuth are going to lead the way as well um, and set the tone um, in a bunch of different ways. And I think that's huge for Penn State, not only now, but also in the future. As we talked about recruiting and, and putting a staff together in the first segment, you know, you got to be able to develop them. And, and if you develop them both on the field and in the weight room, then they're going to be that much more attractive, both when you're a high school athlete, you see you see the growth of these players, but also when you're leaving Penn State and preparing for the next level. And I think that's huge when it comes down to building a program and maintaining the success and the culture of a program as well. But for now, I wish you all a great weekend. And as we gear up for the start of spring practice on Monday, enjoy. And I will talk to you next week. This has been Jared Prugar on the We Are podcast on DK Sports Radio. Enjoy and stay safe.